today we're going kind of on a journey to what to what Jesus said in John chapter 5. And I want to read it uh, right now. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he does. And I just saw that video and I was like, what a great testimony to even how Jesus lived his life, that everything that Jesus did, the compassion that he had, the love that he had, the way that he clothed the poor, the way that he fed the hungry, it was all because of this example that he saw from his father in heaven. It just gives me such great comfort to know that Jesus lived his life that that was modeled first and foremost by God the Father. And it also kind of gives me this, you know, this uh, longing to want to do the same and model the same for, for Zion, my son. And so tonight, or even this morning, you, you might have even gotten a card that said number one dad on it, right? The number one dad. And I'm sure you think that's the only one that Hallmark printed, especially for you. But let me, let me just say that there's only number one, one number one dad, and that is God the Father. And so let that kind of take some pressure off of you and, uh, just, uh, know that, that you're not it, and that's okay. Because we have this heavenly example that, that we're supposed to be calling to. And I don't know if you remember growing up whenever you used to, whenever you used to say, well, my dad can beat up your dad, right? Or you should see my dad's truck. It goes like 85 miles an hour, you know. And what does your dad's truck do? And you had this back and forth with your friends. There's something that comes with wanting to prove that your dad is the best, right, in the neighborhood. And, and I think it's because we, we want to see our dads. We want to view them. We want to see the superhero, right, this, this, this man that, that stands above all men, and he is dad, right? And so this is etched into us, but again, there's only one number one dad, and that is God the Father. Um, And this morning, I'm speaking on Father's Day and and kind of some fresh eyes um, on being a father. Um, Whenever Mike came and he asked me to, to, to preach on Father's Day, I was waiting for the cameras to come out like I had just got punked, you know? Like, is this some social experiments that you're trying? Is like this a new dissertation that you're writing? And so, like, even like in first service, I kind of looked behind me to make sure he wasn't there, like, just kidding, you know? <laughs> like, let me take over. Because there, there is, there's, there's qualified men on our staff that, that are fathers and grandfathers and are doing it. Even Mike last night, he is on the opposite end of the spectrum as he gave Jordan away in marriage. And he's like on this other end. It's so, so beautiful of, of a ceremony, but, but here I am. And so realize today when I speak, I'm not speaking with, with just this, you know, ooze of wisdom and the things that I've learned over these, you know, long 10 months, right? Like I'm not bringing anything that you probably don't know, but I, but I want to share that because I'm not speaking down or anything. I'm just speaking a message. And this one especially was a, a message that God just woke me up with. It was 2 a.m. a couple months ago. And I woke up out of bed and God was like, write this down. <laughs> and I love when he does that. <laughs> you know, it just he's just like, this is what I want, want you to speak. So it's really cool today that I just get to be that vessel which God tr- chooses to, to speak through. But let me introduce my family. If, if you don't know me, I'm Wade Bryan. I'm the director of High School Emerging Generations. Uh, but this is my uh, family. This is uh, Zion James Bryant. And it is his 10-month 
birthday today. Today, he is 10 months old. And uh, that is Brooke Bryant. She's the Kindle MDO director. She also sings up here. Um, she is my wife, or as I like to call her, my hashtag wifey on Twitter and Instagram. So that's them. That's me and Zion on opening day of Texas Rangers baseball because I am training him in the way that he should go. I even took a day off and I said, you know what, we're going to watch opening day because that was a tradition that me and my dad had. And so that's him. He obviously loved it, even though the Rangers lost that day. But he was so excited and I was so happy. It was like that moment of truth, you know. He's watching baseball and he actually watched it for like 10 minutes, which in baby time is like years, right? You know, and so so he watched it. He was glued in. Uh, so it was a really cool moment for me to celebrate kind of our first opening day together. Um, and then uh, the the rest of my family, uh, I actually am, is, if I can get the clicker, there we go. Um, my dad and mom and grandpa are actually here today celebrating, um, and they, they get to kind of come and hear this message. It's really cool. My mom and dad are the in the on the left-hand picture, the 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 middle two on the bottom, uh, that's them. And Zion calls them Papa and Gigi, right? And that, so that's them. They're, that's my dad. He's here. And then my grandpa is on the right, and that's him and Zion rocking the same hat um, over Christmas. So that was pretty sweet, pretty cool moment. Uh, they drove in from Texas this weekend to kind of to come and celebrate today. So uh, my dad's here, and, and I'm actually, you know, I'm blessed to, to have him here because a lot of the things that I'm going to share with you are the things that I learned from him. And I don't think I've ever shared this with him. I don't think that it's ever come up in conversation. So it's a cool moment to be able to, to kind of share that um, in, uh, in this form. And, and uh, a lot of the things that I learned from my dad, my dad really wasn't, you know, it wasn't his style to sit me down and like give me a speech and a pep talk, you know, and, and kind of, hey, let me sit on your bedside. It kind of wasn't his style, but, but it worked out because I got to view his life. I got to see his life and how he lived it. And I got to learn from him in that way. He was an ex- a great example. And it really comes to this, this, uh, this thought of most lessons are caught rather than taught, you know. And I see this in student ministry all the time. I, I, uh, you know, I, I'll ask a student like, "Hey, uh, you've been graduated for a year now. Uh, what's a message that I spoke? You know, just one message. Tell me, what's the topic of one message?" You're like, uh. <laughs> "I'm like, yeah, that's what I thought." But what's the time that we hung out? You know, what's the time that that we shared a moment? And they can all come up with one. Just you know, and, and it, it's this this adage of you know this time spent, this this living example. Most lessons are caught rather than taught. So I'm going to share um, these to you today. Some of the things that I that I caught um, from my dad's life. And the first one is uh, that marriage matters. Marriage matters. My my uh, mom and dad just celebrated the 34th wedding anniversary earlier this month, which is awesome. Um, and and it it hasn't all been easy. Um, and they they got married young, um, a lot younger than I did. And you know there was you know sometimes where they struggled financially, and and there was just this unwavering commitment to one another. And there wasn't this time where they were like, you know what, we're, we're done. And so going into my marriage with Brooke and going even into dating and things like that, I took marriage seriously. I took this commitment seriously because I saw it modeled in my mom and dad that marriage matters, that it's a commitment. And so, so that's the first thing I kind of learned. The second thing is how to serve people. My dad is, uh, he, he still works in kind of construction. He remodels homes and builds homes and has all of these skills, um, with, with tools and, 
And there would be often, there would be times where uh, I think all of our neighbors learn this, you know, and they're like, hey, Tony, what are you doing later tomorrow at four? Because I have this that happened. And so my dad would oftentimes spend a couple hours after work, you know, working on people's houses and, and fixing things for them. And, and, uh, and so he taught me this, this how to serve people with the gifts that God had given you, the skills that you have. And so... Um, I kind of can transfer that into to the skills that I have, the gifts that I have, that it, it's not something that God gave me to hold on to, to be selfish with, that he gave them to me so I can serve his kingdom and people uh, better. And so uh, also, and in, in one of the things that how we serve people um, in Texas, you don't have snowstorms, you have ice storms, okay? There is not snow. The first winter when I moved here and it snowed 21 inches, I was like, where am I? <laughs> like, is this the end? <laughs> Jesus, are you coming back? Because I didn't know what it was. And I'm like measuring like every three seconds. Oh my gosh, you're not going to believe this. But in Texas, you get ice. And so whenever ice comes, it gets on trees and stuff and it knocks them down because of the weight. And so every time it would, there would an ice storm would come, me and my dad would go out and we would, he'd have a chainsaw and he'd, you know, saw things that had fallen on people's, you know, cars or whatever. And I'd drag them off. And, and so, so he showed me how to serve people through his gifts and, and, and the skills that, that we have. And even this morning, my wife picked out the, perfect card for him because of his skills and carpentry and stuff. He said, uh, it said, uh, father, you have taught me everything that I need to know about hand tools. That is how to hand you the tool and step back. (laughs) It's true. It's so true. Cause I'm like, here you go, dad, you got this. (laughs) So, uh, but he taught me how to serve people. The next thing he taught me was, uh, how to be present, how to be present. I can count probably on one hand or less than one hand. Uh, just the, 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 concerts or the games or the assemblies or the plays or the graduation, whatever that he missed in my lifetime. He was just present. He was always there. I always knew that if I looked up, I would see my dad. I would see my mom. And and he taught me the power of presence. And I didn't make it easy on him because I was involved in everything because I was from a small school and I just was like, hey, yeah, I'll sign up for that. That sounds cool. I'll do that. My dad's like, oh, my gosh, calendar, you know, but but he was there. He's present. And even even when I was young, when I was playing micro machines or, you know, that he stepped on, you know, every night or I was was, we're playing Nintendo or whatever. There was this there was always my dad there playing with me. Showing me that it's okay, you know, like I want to be here for you. There's no greater feeling as a, as a, as a child to know that your parents support you in that way and that they're there for you. And so he taught me the power of presence. Even today, he, you know, he, uh, he is up here today and, and it was up here for Zion's birth. He is the pitching coach for my nephew, his grandson on his baseball team. And he's continuing to, to be present. Uh, with those that he loves. And the last thing he taught me was how to enjoy life. If you're around my dad for very long, you realize that there's not many things that he can't make a game out of, right? So, I mean, even we would be waiting like in a parking lot or do something like that. He's like, there's a can and there's a trash can. Let's see how many times we can get that can into that can. 
and then we'll have a competition. Everything was a game. It was awesome. Growing up, there was not really many dull moments in my household because we could make anything into a game. So in, in light of that and in, in uh, the spirit of that, I wanted to play a little game with you guys because even a message can be a game. All right. All right. So I'm going to show a couple things on screen. And uh, you're going to tell me what you think they equal. Okay. All right. So here's the first one. Um, Cowboys winning the Super Bowl plus nothing equals what? What? (laughs) It equals a, if I can get my clicker to work, party. Of course. (laughs) It's a party, right? For some of you non-Cowboy fans, y'all are like, ugh. But in, in the years 1992, 1993, 1995, those were like the golden years, right? You know, they remember the triplets. Like, and I, uh, my birthday is January 29th, which is always around Super Bowl time. So my birthday party equaled Super Bowl party, right? So all of our neighborhood, all of, all of our friends, all of our family came over. My mom would paint all of our faces like with stars. That's not my dad, by the way. Uh, that's just a guy that I found on the Internet. Good for you. You can put that on your resume. Um, but she would paint our faces and we would party. We'd have fun. It was, it was simple. And so uh, Lord help the Cowboys um, win another Super Bowl in my lifetime so me and Zion can party together. All right, next one. Um, the, gosh, there we go. Frisbee plus a tree equals, anyone? Frisbee golf, golf, yeah. It equals, uh, frisbee golf or disc golf, okay? Simple. You got a frisbee, there's a tree, you throw it at it. If you hit it, you win. And guess what? Oh my gosh, there's another tree. Let's make that the next hole, right? And then... You make up rules. You got to go under through the porch, under the columns, right? To hit the tree and the par is four, you know, like then it's, it becomes a nice little fun game. All right. So, all right. Next one is a little bit harder. Um, Dr. Pepper bottle and it's Dr. Pepper cause I'm from Texas and that's where it was created. So medical plus medical tape plus a wooden stick equals we have really inventive names for our games, by the way. Um, so this will blow your mind. This equals bottle ball, right? Okay. So let me tell you a little bit about my childhood home growing up. We uh, had a, our front yard. It, uh, it, it had like my front yard and then it, there was some gravel and then it met the road. And then there was a patch of grass on the other side. And then there was a fence, right? And so we would wrap a bottle, an empty Coke bottle or Dr. Pepper bottle in medical tape. We would get a wooden stick and we would play bottle ball. And if you hit it and it landed in the grass, your own front yard, it was an out. Um, and then if it landed in the gravel, that's a single, the road, a double, the other patch of grass, a triple and over the fence, a home run, right? So it's right there. And we, we played for a couple summers and it was the greatest game ever. My mom loved it because our batter's box, you know, was right by the porch and there's just this patch of dead <laughs> grass and dirt right there. And then I made the mistake of getting a best friend that was left-handed. So not only was there this patch of grass, but there was also this patch of grass. So now you just have these two ugly spots in your front yard. But it was hours and hours of fun. And all you needed was three people to play it. Um, and it was so, so much fun. So bottle ball was one of our favorite things. All right. Last one. 
Um, and you might think you know this. Golf ball plus golf club equals, you might be thinking golf, but you would be wrong. It equals cow pasture golf. Sorry. Cow pasture golf. Because we live in a booming, or my parents still live, in a booming metropolis of Dorchester, Texas, population 92. And so if you ever find yourself in Dorchester, Texas, which is probably by accident or you're lost somewhere, you can go and play a nine-hole cow pasture golf course that my dad created. I'm going to run through some of the holes just so you can kind of get an idea. Hole number one is a par two, 53 yards. You have to hit the, the, the street sign pole, right? which is harder than it looks, you know, like you, you would be amazed. And, and so hole two is the edge, the, the back leg of our swing set that my dad built. Hole three is the, the, the property line marker. Uh, you can either hit the pole or the concrete under it. Both count, okay? Hole four is a par three, 94 yards. It is the bird bath. Um, in the front of my parents' yard. Here's a cool rule. If you don't hit the birdbath, but it still lands in the rocky area under the birdbath, you just get the next shot, okay? So if you get that in your second shot, you get a par, you get a th- par, you know, three shots, okay? Par, uh, hole five is, uh, just, a our electrical fence post, which is really safe. Um, and then hole six, that is just an old five gallon bucket stuck in the ground. <laughs> And uh, the last time I was up, I had a sweet birdie on that hole. My dad can tell you. It's like 30 yards out, just chipped it perfectly, and you just hear this dunk. I'm like, yeah, that's right. Drop the club, walk off, right? Um, so that's, uh, that's hole six. Um, hole seven is a par three. Uh, the telephone pole will get your ball nice and tar. Um, and then hole eight is the, the split V tree. You have to hit through the trees to the telephone pole. Um, but on your first shot, if you hit the, the tree, you get a par automatically, all right? So those are the rules. And then hole number nine is a sprinkler head that is there, and you can actually get it in the surrounding area. It's uh, really good. Um, it's uh, 85 yards. So that is cow pasture golf, in case you were wondering. And if you want to play 18, guess what you do? Repeat, right? So that, that is the game, and, and you go. My dad used to have scorecards and everything, and uh, you can. So if you ever find yourself in Dorchester, just look up Tony Bryant, and he'll, uh, he'll let you play. Uh, all you need is a, a sand wedge or a pitching wedge and a golf ball, and you're pretty much good. All right. So those are, the, those are the lessons that I learned from my dad, that marriage matters, that how to serve people, how to, how to be present, and how to enjoy life. And those are all lessons that I caught. And they weren't really taught to me necessarily, just lived out. And really, I think that's our call as parents. It's what we're, we're called to do, is to live our lives in such a way that, that we can model for our kids, for the next generation, how to live. Proverbs 20, verse 7 says this, that the righteous lead blameless lives, and blessed are their children after them. Blessed are their children after them. Dr. Tim Elmore said it like this, his parents... It is our responsibility to model the life we want our children to live, to help them lead a life of character and become dependable and accountable for their words and their actions. It has to begin with us. We want, we have to live, we have to to live our lives in such a way that it models, that it transfers over to the next generation, to the kids in our life. And selfishly, if I'm being 
honest, like selfishly, I, you know, I pray for Zion to have godly mentors and Christian mentors and adults to come alongside him and lead him and love him. But selfishly, I, I want him at the end of adolescence as he enters into adulthood. I want him to look at Brooke and I and say, my parents were the biggest influence. My parents modeled for me how to live, how to love. And so it kind of flows into my life verse and ministry verse in Psalm 71. It says, since my youth, God, you have taught me. And to this day, I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. This is why I, I, I minister to high school students and college students is that, that I would have this opportunity to declare God's mighty acts, his, his marvelous power, all the things that he's done to that next generation. But even more so, I feel a burden for Zion and, and God for, you know, God willing, my, my future children, that I would be able to model this, that I would be able to speak for what God has done which brings us full circle into what Jesus modeled for us in John chapter 5, that very much or very truly he tells us that, that he can't do anything without seeing what the Father has done first. And so these, these uh, three points, uh, you're gonna be, your mind is going to be just completely blown by just the awe-inspiring words that I'm about to give you, not really... But these things are the simple three things that I would like to model for Zion. And here's the deal. This, I know this is in the context of Father's Day. I know that, that we're celebrating Father's Day. But this really is for all. This is for everyone because God has called us to be Christ's ambassadors. And God is making his appeal through us. God has called the older men in Titus, go read that, older men to, to reach out to the younger men and the older women to pour into the younger women. God has called all of us to this. Even if you don't have kids, even if you are you know, a teenager in here, God has called us all to transfer our faith and model it in such a way to the next generation. So these three things, um, let's all take them to heart and, and, and really just try to live out these in, in the, the most simplest form. The first one that I would like is to love God. Profound. Whenever Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment is, he, he answered with this, that, that you are to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your mind, all your soul, all your strength. This is the greatest and first commandment. God, or Jesus, recognized that, that everything you do, if it doesn't flow out of a context of a love for God, this love relationship, that really it's meaningless. It's, it's, you're, you're just wasting your time. Because God is at the center and should be at the center of every relationship. Everything that we do, every action has to flow out of this love for God. And so whenever I see Zion, I, I think so often we can kind of compartmentalize our, our faith, right? We put our, our church and our faith over here. We put work in this box. We put play in this box. We put our family in this box. But, but what Jesus models is that so often you see him on the way to things. He stops and he notices people. Y'all see that in scripture, he stops and he notices because his faith and his life was lived out in such a way that there was no off time. Love for God literally shaped the way he lived his life 
every single day, every single hour, every single moment. So we can't compartmentalize our faith. It has to be lived out. I, I point to that video. That dad didn't know that his son was seeing him pray. He didn't realize that someone was watching him, that his son was watching him. But what he was doing was he wasn't separating his faith from the rest of his life. He was just, this is what God has called me to do. And I want to talk to my father. I want to talk to God. And it was seen. And so our love for God has to be at the very center of everything. And I, I struggle with this sometimes as a pastor. I, I pray for this often because I don't want Zion to see any discrepancy from when I'm at church and whenever I'm at my job, right? And when I'm at home, I want whenever I preach that that's exactly how I live my life, that I practice what I preach, that there is no disconnect. And so I pray for this often because I think this is where I think a lot of pastors find their pitfall with their kids is that there is this duplicity in their lives. And I pray for that every day. And I look at Hebrews 10 and it's, it challenges us to let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance of the hope or the faith uh, that faith brings. And so this love that, that I have for God, this passion that I have for God, it needs to be sincere and I have to start with that every single day. And so that's the first thing that I want to model. And, and, and I think God, the way he models this, this is kind of weird that God shows us how to love God. <laughs> it's kind of like complex. And you think about it, you're like, oh, well, how does that work? But God models his love for himself in this, that when sin entered this world, it kind of put up this wedge in between us and God. There wasn't this, this love that can fully pour out because sin was there. Our relationship was broken, but he sent his son to take away, to remove that sin, to remove that barrier so we could fully love God, that there could be nothing in the way. There could be no excuse. And that's how God models this. God, the father, the number one dad, that's how he models this. The next thing I want Zion to see in my life and I want to model for him is how to love life. Romans 12 says it like this, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Would y'all agree that, that Christians should be the happiest people on earth? Like we should literally be so happy that people just want to slap us, right? Like why are you so happy right now? But so often we, we're not. We, like everyone else, let circumstance kind of get in. We, we let things influence us. We let the world bring us down. But here's the deal. God has made our joy complete. And the cool thing about being a Christian is that our future is already determined. That the stuff that we're going through the, uh, that Paul talks about in Corinthians, he says, this is light momentary affliction giving way to an eternal weight of glory. I love that. I love that, that no matter what circumstances are in my life, that I never have to doubt what joy awaits me, what life awaits me. It's eternal. And so God has already plotted that out for us. And so we really should. We should be the happiest people on earth. We should. And so this is what I want to see God, or Zion to see in me, that I have this love. And here's the deal. In, in in John fourteen six, Jesus says that I am the way, the truth, and the what, the life. So Jesus embodied this life that we're that we're supposed to have, that we're supposed to love. And in John ten ten, he says the enemy comes to steal, 
kill, and destroy. But I have come to give you life and give it abundantly. Not just a little bit of life, but overflowing. As much life as you can handle. Just rest in me and I will give you that joy. I will make it complete. And so just like my dad modeled on how to enjoy life, I want Zion to see me loving life, even when it's hard, to find the beauty in it. And if you don't hear me say anything else today, I want you to, to, to hear this. That God models this. He, he models how to love life because he looks into our broken world, our messed up world, our hurting world. And he finds beauty in it and he redeems it and he makes it his own. And so he has this love for life where he can reach in to the mess and make it beautiful. And I love that about our God. And I think we would do well to follow that same example that when life seems to be falling apart, that we find the, the, the glimpse of hope. We find the joy. We find the, the blessing that we can look into and we can see the beauty in life. Because God made life, he created life, and then he sustains it, and then he redeems it for his own. The last thing that I want Zion to see, I want him to, to, to model to him, is, is a love for people. I love that, that God sent his son to die for all. And in that verse... In that verse, on the, when he's talking about the cross, in that verse, it doesn't have, you know, die for this person or these people or this nation. Christ literally died for all. There's no prejudice. There's no race. There's no affinity. There's no anything. Jesus or God loves people in general. And so I want to show, I want to model for Zion this love for people because right after the first and greatest commandment, Jesus answers, well, this is the second one. You didn't ask for this, but I'm going to tell you what the second greatest commandment is, and that is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. It's a reason that, that Grace Point puts a lot of, of, of time, energy, money, and effort into global missions and missions in general because we want to show, we want to say that our relationship with God causes us to have a, a love and, a, and, and uh, for people. It's a reason that I went to Ireland last week and I got to sit down with people and hear their stories and connect it back to Jesus. That's a reason that we have children's ministries here and youth ministries and men's and women's ministries because children are people too, <laughs> right? Even though they're little people, they're people too. And they need the love from an adult. They need the love that that can be reciprocated in their father. And the reason I, I look at teenagers and so often teenagers are just overlooked. They almost seen as a burden in our gener- in our culture. But when I look at a teenager, I see the capacity to change the world. I see earth movers and world shakers. I see the, the future of our church, the future of God's kingdom. And so we have to love all people. We have to model that. And God demonstrates his love for us in this, that he gave his son, that while we were still sinners, he died for us. That's how God, in Rome, or Paul in Romans 5.8, tells us that God loves us. And so last week I was sad that I missed it, but we, we kind of we did this uh, initiative. We introduced it uh, called Communitas. 
um, you know, Mike making up words again. Um, communitas. What is a BHAG? Does anybody know what a B? What is that? Communitas is this word. It's a community for the community. That's what kind of this charge that Mike put in front of us to, 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 to really be that grace point would be a community that's set apart to say, you know what? It's not about us. It's not what happens in this four walls that, that we literally need to move outside and have this love for people, the love for our neighborhoods, the love for the community outside of this. And, and, and so we had, I know there's some shirts left over if you want to grab one of those, if you didn't get one. Um, but this idea of community a community for the community. And on the bottom of your bulletin, um, down here, because I had such wisdom and so many notes, you know, these three blanks, there was enough room for me to do this. So, but on the bottom of your bulletin, there's, there's this, there's this thing that I, I want to encourage you to fill out. And you can, you can fill it out if you know this, um, fill it out today and drop it in the offering basket. Um, and it, it's really just answering this, this, these questions. Who is your community? That could be you and another family. That could be you and your body life group. Could be you and, you know, just uh, your coworkers, whatever that is. Who is your community? And who will you serve? What is the community that God is calling you to serve? It could be a physical neighborhood. It could be a physical, you know, person or family or, or whatever that might be, a, a, a nonprofit organization. And then how and when are you going to do that? Make a plan of how you are going to live out communitas. And if you don't have it tonight or today, um, you can you can bring it back next week. And I want to encourage you to put it in connection point on the under the body life group thing under the bench. You can bring that back next week, but drop it in if you if your body life groups already talked about it. And here's some here's some just ideas on uh, suggestions on how to do this. You can you can host a block party. You know if you if you normally meet in this neighborhood this street, host a block party. And just invite all your, your neighbors over and just say, we want to just, you know, I think Christians need to learn how to party again, all right? We're kind of boring sometimes. We just need to learn how to party, right? And so, so have a party. Have, have a block party. Invite people over. Adopt a neighborhood. Go on a, on a prayer walk. This is a good one. Randy mentioned this one to me. There, uh, there are so many foster families in, in northwest Arkansas that don't really have support. They don't have support of a church. They don't have support of other things. And, and so just adopt a foster family and love them well. Make them meals. Serve them. Do whatever you can for them. And then the last one I'll mention, you can read the rest, but uh, Kyle Meredith is a guy. He, he plays percussion back here. Him and Kevin Crow both go to Grace Point Church. They are over at the Boys and Girls Club. Go and ask them or another nonprofit organization and just say, how can I serve you? How can we serve you? What ideas can you give me that I could be a blessing to you? So at the end of the day, what I want to model for Zion is this idea on how to love God, love life, and love people. Isn't it cool how God makes it so simple for us? It's like, what have I called you to? Well, here it is. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Live out the gospel in your life. Model it. And the gospel can be so simple, yet so complex sometimes when life enters in and things happen. And sometimes there can be a simplexity to the gospel, right? It's hard, but it's worth it. It's what God's called us to.
And just like Proverbs 20 said, your children after you, the next generation will be blessed if you live out this love for God, this love for life, this love for people. Let's pray. God, thank you. God, so much. God, that you are our ultimate example. That you don't just give us a a set of rules, a list of things to do. God, you model it. God, you show us how to live. You call us. God, to live our lives for you. God, may we all just, God, feel the weight of leading the next generation and transferring our faith to the next generation. God, in a world that everything is in the the palm of their hands, God, may the things that they remember, may the things that they cherish be life on life, be relationships. Lord God, may this come out of nothing less than a loving relationship with you. You would call us and you would shape us. And because of what you've done, God, may we give you our life to lead other people.